It is nice to be back with you here in the lifeboat today, and trust the Lord might bless us as we look into His Word together. Just want to thank you for your prayers for us and the work there in Guinea. We were here in May uh, doing some midweek meetings, and uh, we shared with you how uh, we were almost at the point of having the the New Testaments printed and uh, sent out to the field, and we shared with you that it was running to a very a tight schedule. There were a number of delays with the, the printing process. And we really wanted to have the dedication this summer uh, for a number of different reasons, um, mostly because my uh, our children are off school and it would be nice to have them out there and be out there as a family for the dedication service. And also, uh, the further you get into the summertime, into August out there, it's really into the rainy season, and so the beginning of July seemed to be the most ideal time to have the dedication for the New Testament, and yet it seemed like it was going to be a very, very close call to have the New Testament actually arriving on the field in time. And We actually had a little backup plan where we had 32 copies sent. They were being printed in China. We had 32 copies sent here uh, to Northern Ireland to take with us uh, in our suitcases. They arrived just uh, slightly over 24 hours before we were getting on the plane. And uh, we were told that when we uh, got out there that the rest of the Bibles would arrive uh, in the capital uh, by air freight on the 5th of July, which happened to be a Friday. We had the weekend, and then we were having the dedication on the 9th on the Tuesday, and so uh, we were trusting the Lord, um, not saying we had a strong faith uh, through the whole process, but uh, we were looking to the Lord that He would cause the Bibles to arrive in time. It would be most ideal if we had all of the Bibles as opposed to just the 32. But uh, when, just a day or two after we arrived, we got the news that they were going to arrive a couple of days earlier than scheduled. They arrived on the 2nd of July, actually, and they made it up to the village on the 4th of July, which happened to be my birthday, so it was the best birthday present I ever got. About 11 o'clock that night, the van arrived with all the boxes of Bibles, and we really do praise God. And it's an answer to your prayers that the Lord worked it out all the way from China. Those Bibles arrived, and we had them in time for the dedication. The dedication service itself went very well for us. It was stressful to say the least, getting prepared for it. As you know, we have a small group of believers out there. A lot of uh, preparations uh, had to be made for it. Uh, We had to put up a temporary shelter for, uh, well, if it happened to rain or if the sun was out, we needed shelter. And so we got that made. About five o'clock that morning, it was raining pretty heavy. And I thought I better go out and see. We made these, uh, this shelter from tarps. And whenever I went out, the water was all lying at the bottom of the tarps and, uh, I had to push all the water off. And if it had been raining too hard, the whole thing would have come down. Praise God that the sun came out, uh, later on that morning. And for the duration of this dedication service, it was dry. A shower came on whenever the people were leaving. And just about an hour later, there was a real downpour again. And even folks from the village, many people from the village, unbelievers, were commenting on how God kept the rain away for the, the service. And we praise God for His hand upon it in many ways. 
Uh, we had a choir from the church that our believers attend about an hour and a half away. They came and the pastor. Um, we were glad of their uh, participation to just rejoice and praise God and to glorify Him for the uh, arrival of the Word of God uh, to the bag of people there, for them to receive the Word of God, the New Testament, for the very first time. And folks, it was humbling to be there. It was exciting. It was stressful, yes, but we really do praise God for giving us the privilege after 10 years of working on the translation of the Scriptures to see them finally in the hands of the people. Pray, folks, that God will bless His Word, that the Spirit of God might use His truth to open many more hearts amongst the bag of people to the gospel. There's a great need yet spiritually there amongst the people, and we trust that the entrance of God's Word will bring great light into their darkened hearts and lives. Pray for the believers themselves that they may be encouraged as they have received the Word of God and are able to read it now for themselves. Pray that God will work by His Spirit and lead them on with Himself and strengthen and establish them in their faith and in their walk with God. And as we look to the future, we look to the Lord to, to mightily bless His Word and to continue to build His church there amongst the bag of people. It was good to have Rachel and Daniel and Rebecca out with me this time rather than going out by myself. It was great to have uh, Daniel and Rebecca to witness firsthand the, the dedication service there. And uh, we praise God for that. We also had a few days of children's meetings after the dedication was over. And again, a wonderful opportunity to just teach the Word of God to the boys and girls there and to sow further seeds of the gospel in the hearts of children. Rachel taught them John 3 and 16 as a memory verse, and it was tremendous just to hear the children uh, quoting that verse. The truth of that verse, folks, is a truth that many of these people have never, ever heard before, and just to hear the children quoting it, and as we taught simple Bible lessons to them, pray that God will bless His Word from amongst these children. He will save precious souls and raise them up even as the future church there amongst the bag of people. So pray for us as we continue on with the work there, as we will work on some Old Testament portions and uh, translate those for the folks there. And also pray that we, as we look to the Lord for future direction, even for our own lives and ministry, that God will indeed lead us aright. But let's turn uh, to the Word of God this morning, to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea and the chapter number 14. You'll find the book of Hosea just after Daniel, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, and then Hosea. And the very last chapter, chapter 14. And we'll read this through together. Hosea chapter 14, commencing at the verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. 
I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise and he shall understand these things? Prudent and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them but the transgressors shall fall therein. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading from his word. Let's just bow for a brief word of prayer. Let's ask God to speak to us from his word. Lord, we thank thee once again that we're found in the house of God, together around the things of God, to worship thee and to praise thee, our great Redeemer, our Savior, and our God. Thank thee, Lord, for thy precious, precious word. We thank thee, Lord, for the living word of God in a day when there's so much truth and uh, so much error and so much falsehood and so much lies that are abounding on every hand. We thank thee for the truth of God that we have before us this morning. We thank thee for the desire uh, within every, uh, the heart of every child of God to be here, to hear thy word to have our souls fed with the manna of thy truth. Lord, we ask thee to come to us now and prepare our hearts. Speak to us. We need thee to speak beyond the voice of the preacher. We need thee to take these precious truths, these challenging truths, and to write them upon our hearts. We pray for those amongst us who perhaps have grown cold and turned away from thee. We ask, O God, that even this morning that they might hear the voice of God calling them back, calling them back to the God to whom they belong. And so I pray for a fresh anointing in filling of the Holy Ghost. Speak through these lips of clay. Touch all our hearts. Shut us in with thyself and do us good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In this chapter that we have read together here from Hosea chapter 14, In this chapter, God reveals himself to his people as the healer of his sin-sick church. God can be likened to a doctor. Psalm 147 and verse 3, it says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. You know, folks, what we cannot do for our ailments and sicknesses as the church God is more than mighty and able to do for us. Jeremiah 30, verses 12 to 13, and verse 17, it says, For thus saith the Lord, Thy bruise is incurable, and thy wound is grievous. There is none to plead thy cause, that thou mayest be bound up, that that thou hast no healing medicines. I will restore health unto thee. And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. You know, as the church, 
we stand in great need of the healing, restoring hand of God upon us, don't we? As we look around at the condition of the Church of Christ, not only in this land, but in other lands, I tell you as never before, we as the church need the restoring, healing hand of God upon us. Just like cancer can riddle the body and leave it in a very weak condition physically, so sin has riddled the church and left it in a very weak condition spiritually. God says, thou hast no healing medicines. All our remedies to try and cure the church of her sickness and of her weak condition, folks, I tell you, they are absolutely worthless. We are absolutely cast upon God, who alone can heal his sin-sick church. Do you believe that this morning? I tell you, if we were to truly believe that, it would drive us to our knees. It would drive us to the prayer meeting to call upon God, the only one who can restore us, the only one who can heal us of our sin-sick condition. Hosea has this vision here of God as our healer. And in this vision, he sets before us an invitation with an offer. In verses 1 to 3, he invites us to return to the Lord and tells us how we can return to the Lord. And we're going to look at that this morning. And then, God willing, we will be back in a, in a couple of weeks' time and we'll look at verses 4 to 8, uh, where it says, as, uh, where we're told that uh, God himself is speaking to us and he's offering to heal us of the disease of our sins and to give us fresh spiritual health. So in a nutshell, this chapter can be summed up like this, that sin is our disease, God is our doctor, and his treatment alone can heal us and restore us to health as the church. Let's consider together this morning verses 1 to 3. And in verse 1, we have here the remedy, the remedy. What is the doctor's prescription to restore his church to health. He says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Folks, the doctor's prescription for to restore his church to health is a non-diluted, full-strength dose of repentance. The only way that we can know healing and restoring as the church, is thorough repentance. Folks, there is no other remedy. And until there is thorough repentance amongst the people of God, individually and as a whole, as a church, there will be no healing, there will be no restoring of our condition. The only way that we can know healing is through thorough repentance. The meaning in the Hebrew here implies a repentance that brings the life fully back to the Lord, where absolutely nothing is withheld. Do you know we are far too shallow in the way we do things? 
The repentance that is required here in order for us to see the healing, restoring hand of God upon us is to not just to see our sins and to feel sorry for them, not even just to stop sinning. It goes far beyond that. The repentance that is required, folks, is a coming back to the Lord, back to a close relationship with Him, back to a place where He is first in every area of our lives, back to our first love, back to a disciplined life of holiness and obedience and Christ-likeness. It's a turning our backs upon worldliness, carnality, and earthly-mindedness as a going after God with all of our hearts, where we run after Him, where we love Him with all of our minds, all our hearts, souls, and strength. Return unto the Lord thy God. If you get nothing else from this message this morning, get those words in the text in verse 1. Return unto the Lord thy God. Am I speaking to someone this morning in this meeting who has turned from the Lord? Maybe you haven't backslidden as we normally refer to backsliding where you have turned your back completely upon the Lord. But maybe there's some area in your life this morning where you have turned from the Lord. You no longer are loving and serving Him as you used to. The call of God to you this morning is to return unto the Lord thy God. Return unto the Lord thy God. To talk about returning speaks of going back the way we came. Whenever you go somewhere and you return home, it means that you go back the way that you came. In other words, we need to retrace our steps Folks, this calls for a thorough examination of our hearts and lives. There's nothing shallow about this. A thorough examination of our hearts and lives. We need to carefully examine where we have went wrong. You're here this morning. You used to love the Lord. What caused that that love grew cold? What other love has crept in that has lessened your love for Christ? Your mind used to be set upon heavenly things alone. What caused your mind to lose its grip on heavenly things? What earthly material things took possession of your mind? God used to be first, the sole object of your worship. What caused that he is no longer solely worshipped? What other thing has come into your life that now takes first place? God's word alone used to regulate your life. What caused that that's no longer the case? What other ideas have come in, allowing you to, causing you to, uh, to, 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 other ideas causing to control your mind and to, and your actions rather than the Word of God alone. The world used to hold no attraction for you. What caused that the world now attracts you? What glitter and gold of the world 
attracts you and has caught your affections. God is calling you to return to the Lord your God. This is a call to be tough on yourself, to carefully examine your heart and life, to see where things went wrong, to retrace your steps and return the way you came. Folks, this is real repentance. Costly, difficult, but folks, it's the only way to healing. Notice that the call is to return unto the Lord thy God. As the people of God, nearness to God is where we really belong. That's where we really belong, close to God. God is our God. If you're a child of God in this meeting this morning, even though perhaps you foolishly let something else come in to take your affections and to, to lessen your love for Christ, but never forget that because you are a child of God, because He took you and saved you and made you His own, He is your God. You belong to Him. He is in covenant with you. Remember the precious blood of Christ that He shed. He said, this is the blood of the New Testament or covenant. God is in covenant relationship with you as, a, as his child today because of Calvary, because of the precious blood of Christ. No matter how foolishly you might wander from him this morning, he is still in covenant with you. His covenant still stands. It's pledged by the precious blood of Christ. He is still our God. And the call to return to the Lord our God really is a call to the prodigal to return to the home of his father. Come home to your father where you really belong. Young person in this meeting this morning who has let your love for Christ grow cold. God is calling you this morning to return to your Father, to where you really belong, to the one from whose presence you never should have wandered. Come home to a Father who is waiting and willing to receive you. Return unto the Lord thy God. The problem is not and never is with God. It's with us. What does he say here? Thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. There's only one thing, folks, that will cause you, if you've walked with God, if you've known Him, if you've had a close relationship with Him, there's only one thing that will take you from that close relationship with God to grow cold in your love to Him, and that's sin. Sin and sin alone will cause you to lose out in your walk with God. Thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. It's our sin. That's our downfall. The nation of Israel in Hosea's time were sickly and weak. And in their weak and sickly condition, what remedy did they look for? They looked for it in political alliances. In chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jarab, Yet could he not heal you, nor cure you of your wound. The people of God did not understand that they were in a weak and sickly condition, not for a political reason, 
but for a moral one. They had sinned against God, their God. And because they had sinned against him, that was why they were in a state of deteriorating health. Folks, as we look around at our nation, as we see how far our nation has fallen from what it once was, I tell you, it is not because of the failure of our political leaders. It's not for any political reason that our nation is in the state that it's in this morning, but it's because of sin. It's because as a nation we have turned our backs upon God. We have despised his word, and as a result, our nation is in the state that it's in today. And the church of Jesus Christ, is in the weak and sickly state that she's in this morning for one reason only, and that is because of our sin. We have turned from the Word of God. We have turned our backs upon God in certain areas. Sin has crept in, and because of sin and sin alone, we're in a weak condition spiritually. We as a church need to realize that we're in a weak and a sickly condition, not because we don't have the support of the world, not because we don't have the strength of numbers, no, but purely and simply because we have sinned. How often we see the symptoms of our uh, disease and yet we do not diagnose the disease correctly. And so that's why we look for ineffective remedies. We need to understand that we have fallen because of our sin. May God help every one of us as individuals and as a church to examine our lives, to see where we have went wrong, to see where sin has come in. And folks, if we will ever be healed from our sin's sick condition, we need to return to the Lord our God. For the people of Israel, they were looking for the remedy and political alliances. But that was bad enough. They were doing something even worse. They were madly in love with the Beals. The glamorous, sensual world of Beal worship had a deep attraction for them. By comparison, the biblical way of that God had laid down for them, the way of walking by faith with God and trusting alone in Him, that way seemed old and boring. The world of Baal was much more attractive. Surely this glamorous life would brighten up their their sickly and weak condition. In other words, they were hankering after the pleasures of the world. And isn't the church doing exactly the same today? In our weak and sickly condition, we're looking to the attractions and the pleasures of the world to try and brighten up our dull lives. We're hankering after worldly pleasures to brighten up our weak condition spiritually. We're devoid of spiritual health. That's the reality. And instead of returning to the Lord our God, we're looking to worldly pleasures and amusements. We look to worldly amusements, fashions, trends, the world's praise and approval. Folks, let's be honest. Those are the things that regulate our lives, what others think of us the trends around us, the world's approval. We're flirting with the world, folks, as our remedy when all the time God is calling us 
to return to him. Forsake the vanity of the world. Forsake everything that comes before us this morning and return to the Lord our God. We need to realize that the cause of our sickness, our ill health, our weakness, is nothing less than our sin. And the remedy, folks, is thorough repentance. A careful examination of our hearts and lives to see where we have went wrong, where sin has come in, to turn from it, to bend our wills, and to turn again to the Lord our God. We need to retrace our steps, come back to a life of true trust and obedience to Christ. This is the only way for healing, folks. There is no other way. So that's the remedy that we have there in verse 1, to return unto the Lord our God. Thorough repentance. Then in verses 2 to 3, we see here how to apply this remedy. In calling us to return to him, how does God want us to come? Verse 2, he says, take with you words and turn to the Lord. He wants us to take words with us whenever we come to him. In other words, he wants us to come to him and to confess our sin to confess our sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Plain, old, honest confession. He wants us to come to him with plain speaking honesty. No trying to evade anything. No uh, making excuses, nothing vague, but honestly confessing our sins to him. The Hebrew of these verses here brings out the fact that God wants to hear from us as individuals. In verse 1, the verb return there is in the singular, and the pronouns thine iniquity and thou hast fallen, they're also in, in the singular. In other words, Hosea was addressing the people of God all together as a corporate whole. But then in verse 2, he changes to the plural. And then the the verbs there in verse 2, to take, to turn, and to save, these are all in the plural. In other words, he's breaking down the corporate whole now into its separate members and parts. And he wants us as individuals to come to him. You know, folks, it's easy to look across to someone in the pew sitting across from you and to point out the sins in their lives, to say where they have fallen. But folks, what God is asking you to do and what God is asking me to do is to look no further than myself, to examine this heart of mine, not my brother, not my sister, but myself. This is individual. This is personal. May God help you this morning to examine your own heart. May God help me to examine my heart to see where I have went wrong. Instead of looking at my brother and sister and condemning them or criticizing them for what they're doing, may God help me to face up to my sin 
And God helped me to return to Him, to take words with me, words of honest confession for my sin, where I have went wrong, to confess those sins to Him, to get them dealt with. It's interesting to note what it is that God wants us to bring with us to Him. It's words. Folks, there's nothing else that we can bring this morning. Absolutely nothing else. We have no merit in ourselves. Absolutely nothing in ourselves that we can bring to God. There's nothing that we can do or are doing that can merit the favor and blessing of God. Whenever we come to Him, we cannot claim, well, I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, or I'm doing the other. No, folks. We can bring nothing but words of confession for our sin whenever we come to God. We can only approach Christ and approach God on the merits of Christ and His sacrifice, not our own merits. You know, even as the people of God, we can be deceived into thinking sometimes that because of our holiness, because of our obedience, that that is a grounds for God to bless and to restore us. Or our sacrifices and offerings, our organization and program and events will somehow cause God to look favorably upon us. Absolutely not. Hosea 5 and verse 6, the prophet said, They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from him, from them. There are no works or merits of our own that we can bring to God. What does God want us to bring? He wants us to bring words. Words that express our absolute dependence upon him. Think of a drowning man calling to the lifeguard to save him, trusting in that lifeguard to rescue him from death. Does that drowning person bring a list of reasons to the lifeguard as to why the lifeguard should, should save him? No, he doesn't. What does he do? He cries out in words of desperation and absolute dependence upon that lifeguard, please save me. And folks, whenever we come to God, whenever we return to him, we don't bring our list of reasons as to why God should bless us, as to why God should restore us. No, we bring words with us, words that express our absolute dependence upon Him. We cry out to Him with the realization that it's He and He alone that can restore us, that can heal us, that can revive us. We bring with us words that express our absolute dependence upon Him, words of brokenness for our sin. Words of renunciation for our sin. Words of praise and adoration to the God of all grace who has loved us in Christ and who on the merits of Christ's sacrifice alone will bless us and restore us and revive us. When we bring these words to him, what do we say? The prophet gives us words here to say whenever we come to the Lord. Look at verse 2. Take with you words and turn to the Lord Say unto him, take away all iniquity. So when we come to the Lord, we confess our sins holding nothing back. We face up to every sin. 
We confess them all to the Lord. Take away all iniquity. The force of these words is carry off all our sins. Don't leave any of them. Take them all away. We're truly sorry for having ever committed them. Remove all our sins from us. Folks, there is no healing. There is no restoring for us as individuals and as the church until we face up to our sins honestly. This calls for a thorough examination of our hearts and lives, owning up to every sin, openly and honestly confessing every sin to God. He is the only one who can take them away. And so we must cry to him that he would take them away, that he would release us from them all. So when we come to him, we bring words, confessing our sin, holding nothing back. But we also ask God to show us new favor. Look at the verse 2 there again. Take away all the iniquity and receive us graciously. Whenever we honestly confess our sins to God, Folks, that opens up the way for renewed fellowship and communion with God. When God takes away our sins, we're in a place where we can once again enjoy his favor and his blessing and his goodness to us. You know, God doesn't merely remove our sins and then leave us there. He restores us to something far greater, something far better. Oh, the marvelous grace of God. May we as the people of God never cease to be amazed at the grace of God. Because what the grace of God has done for us is is not merely forgiven our sin and taken away our sin, but the grace of God bestows his blessings upon us so abundantly and far beyond what we ever deserve. Where sin abounded, grace doth much more abound. Thank God this morning for the superabundance of the grace of God. And when we come as his people to, to him, honestly confessing our sins, we can trust upon trust him to graciously receive us again, to bestow the riches of his grace upon us, not merely to take away our sin, but to bestow all his blessings upon us far beyond what we ever deserve. So when we come to him, we confess our sins, holding nothing back. We ask God to show his favor and blessing to us. And then we also, thirdly, pledge our renewed devotion to the Lord. Look at the last phrase there in verse 2. So will we render the calves of our lips, or we offer the, the fruit of our lips. In other words, folks, it is not mere words in themselves that we're bringing to the Lord. Words in and of themselves can be cheap, can't they, and meaningless in themselves. It's easy for us to say things. It's easy for us even to pray prayers at times where we don't really mean what we're saying. Words can be cheap and meaningless. But folks, the words that we are to bring to the Lord here are words that show that we have truly repented. What did John tell the people in his day, John the Baptist? He said, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. You see, true and thorough repentance is a new way of living. It's a changed life. 
And folks, there are far too many people in the north of Ireland in our churches this morning who profess to have repented of their sin. But when we look at their lives, we see little evidence of the fruit of repentance. What God is calling us as his people to hear is not merely to bring words to him, not merely to profess to have repented of our sin and turned to the Lord, but to come with words that truly express the sentiment of our hearts, hearts that have turned from our sin, hearts that have been changed and transformed. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're a young person. You've professed faith in Christ. Let me challenge you this morning. Does your life match up to your profession? An empty profession of faith in Christ will avail you nothing. The call of God to you this morning is to return to the Lord your God, bringing words with you that show that you have truly repented and turned from your sin, that your life has been changed and transformed. It's a moment-by-moment response to the grace and the goodness of God. Because God has taken away our sins and graciously received us, so we render the calves of our lips. God blesses and restores us, and we in turn offer the praise back to Him. Someone has said that our lives are not to be graves where blessings go to die, but altars where blessings are returned to God in thanksgiving. God's call to us to return to Him. Verse 2 tells us what we are to turn toward. We are to turn to the Lord with these words. Then verse 3 tells us what we are to turn from. Verse 3, it says, Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. We have a twofold vow here. First part of verse 3, it says, Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses. And in this vow, we firstly renounce all vain help, uh, hope, all vain hopes that come through self-help. We resolve to live in complete dependence upon the Lord. We break off all trust in the ashers and war horses of our day. In other words, we put no trust in politicians or earthly powers or the arm of the flesh in any way. We live in complete dependence upon the Lord. Folks, as we look at the state of our nation, as we look at the state of the church, May our trust and our hope never be in politicians. May it never be in anything else other than in the Lord alone. Folks, we need to get back to the place where we truly believe with all of our hearts that God and God alone can restore us and revive us and bring us back to himself. How we have turned to worldly and earthly means for blessing and restoration. We look to our programs, to our efforts, to the things that we do to try and bring the people in. 
God is calling us, folks, to a place of absolute dependence upon Him. If you're going to see the blessing of God in the lifeboat here, if you're going to see the outpouring of the Spirit of God, folks, it will only come when you give up all trust and dependence upon anything, upon your past or anything else, and you come to a place of absolute dependence upon the Lord, where you believe with all your heart that He and He alone can restore you, where He and He alone can revive you, and where that, where, where that is evidenced by being in the prayer meeting, calling upon the Lord, looking to Him and Him alone, who can revive and restore and touch you once again. In the second part of verse 3, it says, Ye... Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods. The second part of this vow is that we renounce the gods that we have devised of our own. In Hosea's day, idolatry was obvious. They made literal gods of wood and stone and bowed down to them. Today, our idolatry is much more subtle. Our idolatry is anything that we as a church put our confidence in more than God. And folks, as I travel around from church to church in different places, folks, it's sad to, to state that many of God's people are putting their trust and their confidence in so many things other than the Lord our God. Folks, it's idolatry. It's idolatry. That God is calling us to turn from putting our confidence in the work of our own hands, in our organizations, in our efforts. How can we tell where our idolatry is? Look at the enthusiasm in the prayer meeting in contrast to the enthusiasm that we put into our programs and into our efforts. Where does our confidence lie? If it lies in anything else other than God, it's idolatry. If our confidence as the church were in Christ alone, in God alone, then I believe our prayer meetings would be packed, not merely with bodies, but with people whose hearts and souls are calling upon God in absolute dependence upon Him to come and to look upon us again, realizing that He and He alone can restore us and revive us and heal us again. The very last phrase there in verse 3, for, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. In thee the fatherless findeth mercy. The repentance that God is calling us to is an acknowledgement that we are fatherless in ourselves. Needy, hungry, penniless orphans. Folks, that's what we are. But in God our Father, we find mercy, we find grace, we find restoration, healing from our sin-sick condition. May God help us this morning to realize our true spiritual condition, not to be burying our head in the sand, as it were, but to face up to our true spiritual condition that we're sin-sick, God bring us to the point where we believe with all of our hearts that He and He alone can restore us. And may we call upon Him, come to Him, return to Him, bringing words of honest confession of our sin, looking to Him 
putting no confidence in anything else other than him alone, that he will come, revive us and restore us and bring us back to true spiritual health once again.